0: Hello, and welcome to Words of Wisdom, a podcast dedicated to reflecting on the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. Your host is Dr. Jerry Weirwol, who will share life-giving truth from Proverbs that will help us become wise and discerning. Wisdom is a journey, and we hope you will join us for this exciting adventure. In this episode, we will be looking at a passage in the book of Proverbs that is different from what we normally think of when we hear the word proverb. For a majority of people, the word proverb brings to mind the idea of a brief, catchy saying that embodies a truth, principle, or clever idea. While almost every culture and history contain proverbial sayings, each culture presents their proverbs in a slightly different way. For those of you who are familiar with modern proverbs in America, they still bear some resemblance to ancient proverbs like those in the book of Proverbs. But there are a number of distinctions that we can easily pick up on. First, it is common for modern proverbs to have a play on words, uh, or, or imagery, or a rhyme, or alliteration in them. For example, some proverbs with play on words are, When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Here are a few that are based on rhyming. A stitch in time saves nine. Birds of a feather flock together. And haste makes waste. And many proverbs incorporate some alliteration for a punchy cadence. Like, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And bitter pills may have blessed effects. But other modern proverbs are simply just sentences, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, kill two birds with one stone, and many hands make light work. Why I mention this background info on modern proverbs is that most of the proverbs in the book of proverbs are similar to these sorts of short, aphoristic-type sayings. But in this and the next couple of episodes, we will look at a different style and form of ancient proverb. This other style and form can be described as proverbial lectures or admonitory speeches. And it is the predominant form that we find in chapters 1 through 9 in the book of Proverbs. These beginning chapters in the book of Proverbs contain a series of 10 speeches that are meant to be instructive, like other Proverbs, but that have a very unique flavor and feel to them. Rather than a couplet, which is a a two-line saying, these wisdom lectures are long speeches made up of several stanzas. In this episode, we're going to look at one stanza in the last lecture in this opening collection in the book of Proverbs. In chapter 9, there is a comparison that is being made between wisdom and foolishness, and it is accomplished by personifying each and ascribing certain attitudes, actions, and outcomes to each of them, respectively. In their personified roles, wisdom and foolishness are commonly referred to as lady wisdom and lady folly, on account of the way that they are described and are being used in the context as voices that are trying to attract Solomon's sons. Proverbs 9 verses 13 through 18 says, Lady Folly is boisterous, lacking in understanding, and does not know anything. And she sits at the entrance of her house, on a throne at the heights of the city, calling out to those passing by on the road, to ones making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And she says to the one lacking sense, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there. The ones who have accepted her invitation are in the depths of Sheol. Proverbs chapter 9 depicts two opposing voices that vie for people's attention in life. The intention is to contrast the outcome of listening to either Lady Wisdom as described in verses 1 through 6, or Lady Folly, as described in verses 13 through 18. It is very intriguing that they are both described as calling out from the heights of the city to those who are passing by. It is as if they are both being described like two competing merchants selling their goods in the marketplace and broadcasting to everyone what they have to offer. Their voices go out to those who are naive, it says. To be naive, means to be simple-minded, inexperienced, or ignorant. Being naive is characterized by poor judgment and a lack of depth in understanding. Thus, both Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly are appealing to those who are naive because they obviously lack wisdom. But why are they both interested in these sort of individuals? The naive. Naivete is a type of foolishness that can be overcome with proper instruction and training. And so Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly are competing for the attention of the Naive because the one who is already a fool will not listen to wisdom. And the one who is already wise will avoid foolishness. If you are wise or if you are a fool, then you are already established in one of those ways of life. But the Naive are in a place that, depending upon their choices, it will lead them down one of two roads either following Lady Wisdom or following Lady Folly. Not only that, but Lady Folly is also calling out to those naive people who are making their paths straight. She's trying to reach the naive who are in the process of figuring life out and learning and have not yet come to a place where they are walking firmly on the road of wisdom, for they are still described as lacking in sense. That means they do not have good sense yet. The naive who are lacking in sense are not intentionally looking to deviate from the fear of Yahweh and proper moral conduct, but since they currently lack firm determination and a desire to seek wisdom, they become vulnerable prey for Lady Folly. Lady Folly's invitation so closely resembles that of Lady Wisdom that the naive can be tricked into listening to her instead of Lady Wisdom. This predicament is brought about due to their gullibility and lack of sound thinking based on wisdom and the fear of Yahweh. A major effort of Lady Folly is her seductive appeal to offer the naive things that are sweet and pleasant, as it says in verse 17. In other words, Lady Folly is saying that she offers something good that they will like, and so the naive should turn in and dine with her, and she will give them what they want. However, A major premise behind the art of seduction is to be adept at dissuading someone from their pursuit of what is good for them and convincing them to give you what you want from them. This is exactly the tactic used by Lady Folly. She contends with Lady Wisdom to seduce people, to embrace her and walk upon the road of foolishness, deceiving them into thinking that her road is good and pleasant and that they will benefit from traveling on it. But now comes the kicker, for verse 18 gives the result for those who choose to turn aside and listen to Lady Folly. They do not know that the dead are there. The ones who have accepted her invitation are in the depths of Sheol. So while the invitation might sound nice, and the dinner that she offers very tempting, Lady Folly's house is filled with death. The expression, The ones who have accepted her invitation are in the depths of Sheol means that those who have decided to follow Lady Folly are no longer alive. Sheol is a Hebrew word that refers to the realm of the grave where the dead reside. Although sometimes Sheol is translated as grave, Hebrew has another specific word for the physical grave. Thus, Sheol represents more than merely the grave. It is a concept entailing the entire state of death as a place where the dead go and remain after departing from the land of the living. Now, there is no actual location of Sheol. It is simply a way of describing the place where all the dead are. It is the destination of the dead. Moreover, conscious existence after death is not attributed to Sheol. Those who are in Sheol are not described as being active or alive in any way. Rather, it is a figurative embodiment of what death is. Besides it being described as a place, it's also described in terms of a power that has hold over the dead. For those who have sunk down to death, that is Sheol, do not return from it, it says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 19. Furthermore, Sheol is personified in the book of Proverbs as an enemy that pursues its victims, capturing those who do not follow the road of wisdom to illustrate an important point concerning lady folly and her competing interest for a person's attention i want to share a story that will bring to light the wisdom of the proverb wolfgang beltracchi was born in 1951 in hookster a small village in west central germany while growing up beltracchi watched his father paint houses and restore churches for a living it seems that his father's skill with the brush was something that he himself inherited at an early age. But rather than painting walls and ceilings, Beltraci was exceptionally skilled on canvas. By age 14 years old, Beltracci's painting skills greatly impressed his father. Within three years, Beltracci enrolled in an art academy in Aachen, Germany. But soon after starting, he became disinterested in the formal training and skipped out on most of his classes. After leaving the art academy, Beltracci traveled around Europe during the 70s and early 80s, living a nomadic lifestyle, where he spent a year and a half on a beach in Morocco, he lived in a commune in Spain, and he bounced around to Barcelona, London, and Paris, and even lived on a houseboat in Amsterdam, where he worked at a nightclub and put on psychedelic-like shows. Beltraci did some painting during these years and gained some recognition and acclaim, particularly when he contributed three works to a prestigious art exhibition in Munich, Germany in 1978. During this time, there is one incident that seems to stick out that would come to play a major role in defining Beltraci's future. While he was traveling about one day, he purchased a pair of winter landscapes by an unknown 18th century Dutch painter. In comparing these tableaux to others from the same period, he came to realize that winter landscapes that depict ice skaters sold for five times the price of those without them. And so Beltracci had an idea. He thought, if I modify the painting by including ice skaters, then the value of the painting will dramatically increase. So Beltracci carefully painted a pair of ice skaters onto the canvas matching the artist's colors and style, and then resold the painting for a significantly higher price, making quite a bit of profit from it. This idea would launch Beltracci into a career that would make him one of the most famous modern artists, but not in a conventional way. Beltracci began making copies of famous works of early 20th century French and German artists and then began selling them in various galleries and marketplaces. As time went on, Beltracci began submitting his phony imitation paintings to more famous auctions and art catalogs and making considerably more money in the process. By the early 2000s, Beltraci's fakes were selling at auctions to collectors for six figures and more. In 2004, he sold a counterfeit painting of German expressionist Heinrich Campendonk, called Landscape with Horses for $860,000. Then in 2007, his counterfeit of Dutch Fovus' Kies van Dongen, Portrait of a Woman with a Hat, sold for $3.8 million. All this led Beltraci to begin forging the works of some of the great artists like Fernand Leger, Georges Braque, and Max Ernst. But then in 2008, something unexpected happened that would foreshadow the beginning of the end for Beltraci. One of his paintings was inspected for authenticity by an art expert who identified the collection label that was affixed to the back of the painting as obviously a fake. Immediately the painting was taken and submitted for chemical analysis in Munich. The laboratory analysis revealed that the painting contained a white pigment containing titanium, which didn't exist in 1914 when the painting was produced by the original artist. This was undeniable proof that the painting was a forgery. This gave rise to a domino effect Uncovering in the following two weeks 15 more fraudulent paintings that Beltracci had produced. In the subsequent two years after this discovery, art collectors around Europe began discovering that Beltracci's forgeries were everywhere. It took a while for the police to trace the forged paintings back to Beltracci and also to locate him as he had fled the country. Finally, Beltracci was arrested in 2011 and sentenced to six years in prison and his wife for four years as a willing accomplice in the crime. Beltracci confessed to forging hundreds of paintings by prominent artists that were sold to private collectors, museums, and institutions around the world. It is estimated that Beltraci profited over $100 million from his elaborate scheme over the course of 30 years. He likely has more of his phony paintings hanging in prestigious places around the world than any other artist, perhaps in all of history. He is esteemed to be the greatest art forger of all time. What made Beltracci's paintings so difficult to identify as fakes was because they resembled the authentic painting so closely that it was hard to tell the two apart. Basically, it is nearly impossible apart from using a microscope and modern forensic science techniques. In addition, Beltracci was a master fraud because he used frames and canvases from the same period of the painting by carefully removing the paint and then painting on top of a clean canvas. Moreover, as much as possible, he even used the same pigments and paints that the original artists did. Beltracci's fake paintings were almost exact look-alikes in every way. The way that Beltracci's story relates to the proverb is that Lady Folly is also a fraud. On the surface, she makes herself look like Lady Wisdom and she sounds like Lady Wisdom, but underneath, She is completely fake. Everything she offers is untrue. She seeks to deceive the listener into thinking that she offers something good. But those who enter into her house and eat her food wind up in the grave. Her road is a road that leads to death. Therefore, we must be careful when we consider what voice we choose to listen to. And we need to think deeper beyond the superficial to see what lies beneath. We must be ever cautious Because Lady Folly is alive and well in the world. And she calls out to the naive and those lacking sense. But we don't want to be ignorant of her influence and what she is selling. Because she is nothing but an imposter who will bring disaster upon us if we turn in and listen to her. This is the wisdom of the proverb. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Words of Wisdom podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so appreciative if you would share this podcast with your friends. And if you have been blessed by this work, please consider supporting the podcast by clicking on the donation link in the description.